in the church is known as the Sunday after the Feast of Theophania or Epiphany. You know by now, I think, those that have been attending somewhat regularly, that every Sunday has a name. It's the church. Each Sunday is labeled. We keep track. Some Sundays are based, their name is based on how many weeks after Pentecost it is. Some Sundays, like today, are based on, a, on an upcoming, or in this case, a feast that has just occurred. And when that happens, it means that the feast that has occurred is a great feast. Epiphany, the baptism of Christ in the church, is considered one of the great feasts of the Lord. It was almost like a mini Holy Week the last five days with all the services, the celebrations. God is revealed to the world. We hear John the Baptist and the scripture readings. Even today the gospel was based on the feast of Christ's baptism. And we see that if we take a step back and look at the big picture, John the Baptist, the greatest of the prophets, the only of the thousands of prophets that pointed to the coming of Christ, was blessed enough and worthy enough to be alive to meet him and speak to him. And we realize very quickly that John the Baptist was part of God's plan, part of the salvific plan. This was not something that happened in just a few days or weeks or months or even years. But when you read the Old Testament, you see that God put in a plan and that plan was, went into effect over the course of hundreds of years where he prepared the world through the prophets to be ready to recognize Christ as the Messiah, to believe in the resurrection, to be full of hope when encountering the difficulties of life and especially illness and death. And John is part of that plan the people that witnessed God's baptism were part of that plan. And then there is the resurrection and the ascension and Pentecost and the beginning of the church. And God's plan continues as long as people allow themselves to have faith and to believe. And we see that there are people in small numbers across the world that began to believe so much that they started churches. In the beginning, it was around the area of Jerusalem and Asia Minor and North Africa and the Middle East. Western Europe followed. And eventually, immigrants came to America and other parts of the diaspora, the diaspora. And just as is the case of our church, which just so happens to celebrate, we celebrate our 100th anniversary this year in 2023. In many of these cases, these early immigrants chose to begin a church before they owned their own home. They chose to build a church before they had enough money to bring the rest of their families. And they built it in this case, they bought St. George, they purchased it. And they were a very poor group of immigrants in this particular neighborhood in Lincoln Park. And they nurtured this place, this building, which was built in 1886. And we think about the generations that followed. 
that chose to be part of God's plan. Part of God's plan so that people from generation to generation would have the opportunity to receive all the good that comes out of His church. The sacraments. The hope. The courage. The comfort. And we think about how many people have passed. Thousands of baptisms. Thousands of weddings. Thousands of funerals. Thousands of chrismations and adult baptisms. It was interesting, we looked just this past year in 2022, and we did some rough calculations from our calendar at the church. In one year at this church, we had just over 100 baptisms, just over 40 weddings, just over 40 funerals, just over 30 adult baptisms and chrismations, more than 300 hospital visits, more than 200 visits of people to the church for pastoral reasons who were having difficulties or were grieving for some reason, more than 2,000 meetings with people who were being catechized or pre-marriage counseling, And we wonder what that number would be going back to 1923. Sometimes we forget the impact that one little parish can have on the world. We can roughly multiply that by 100. And we can come up with some pretty amazing numbers. And today we find ourselves, for whatever reason, together in this church, wondering if we are part of the same plan. We are part of God's plan for sure as being people that are present in His liturgy, worshiping the same God, in the same need as the first immigrants. Perhaps we are in a different economic position, but spiritually we are the same. We need the same support. In the church we learn how to celebrate with dignity, to be joyful with humility. In the church, it's where we come to receive comfort when things are difficult, when we're faced with death and illness of people we love. And today, we would be remiss if we didn't appreciate those that passed before us and set these things up for us. But I think we also should aspire and to be hopeful to ensure that we are also part of the plan. And to imagine that a hundred years from now, hopefully the church will still be full and the priests, whoever God blesses them to be, would be speaking about us to those people present there. Today is, I tell you some of these things just because it kind of came to me because of thinking about John the Baptist, but also because you see that there's a lot of work still being done. In the last five years, we've basically redone the entire building from the foundations all the way up. And now you see we're kind of nearing the end of that process as part of our 100th year and our consecration that will happen in October of this year. That's why we're having liturgy out here because the altar is not accessible. It's under construction. We're hopeful that it'll be done fairly soon. 
<clears throat> the altar floors were redone. The wood below the marble that was taken out was redone. The new marble that exists out here was placed in the altar. New iconography is going in, and new altar tables going in. And you see, it's hard to not notice the ceiling and the narthex that has been removed for the most part, and there's new electrical going in and a lot of different improvements. And it's interesting because usually when these things happen in churches, you hear them list grand benefactors. And they say, we were able to redo the whole building because we got these large donations. In this church, there is no grand benefactor. A little bit from a lot of people is how this was done. Without capital campaigns, without major fundraising, without asking people for much at all. And it's because of the love, the generosity that's been mostly coming through stewardship and from our other fundraising events. Today is our stewardship kickoff. And it's when we usually make our pledge in January to give stewardship. You'll see in your pews, most of you here are probably not new to this concept. The church, you know, we're, we're not intended to act like we are the mafia. It's not a shakedown. You get to give only if you want and whatever you want. Most of you understand the concept of how budgets work. Without people giving, there's no church. Without a church, life becomes different. And we think about what it's like what it would be like for our grandchildren to not have a church. It's up to us. If the church is important, then we give. If the church is not important, we'll most likely give somewhere else. 